In this episode, we take a behind-the-scenes look into Prime Archery. You are listening to the Archery Maniacs Podcast. This is Remy Warren. I am Rihanna Carey. My name is Adam Foss. This is Paul Tetford, professional archer. Hey everyone, I'm Christy Titus, and you are listening to Archery Maniacs. We cover everything archery, from the hunting side to the tournament side, with stories, tips and tactics, gear reviews, and more. That helped my tuning game so much when I made sure that all my arrows were square. And I'm just staring into his eyes, blood's dripping off of its tines, mud is everywhere. The clarity these mavens offer is amazing. I'm just like Spider-Man, you know, on this rock, you know, just <laughs> laying there. Belly crawling in there and I can barely fit in there and I can hear the cat growling at me. So I put my hand on his shoulder and pushed him and we just ran at this elephant. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning into the Archery Maniacs podcast. Uh, per your the listeners' requests, we have on Prime Archery today. Uh, Mitch, one of their techs there at Prime Archery, has taken some time out today to hop on the podcast, and we are going to kind of dive into some behind-the-scenes looks at prime archery as well as getting into some of the technical things that a a prime bow offers and maybe some of the questions that are more commonly seen or called in about so thanks for hopping on the podcast mitch oh thanks for having me zach pleasure to be here yeah yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I've I've owned primes and shot several of them and I, I think they're I think they're a great bow. Um and I, I remember the first time I walked into the store or looked at the magazine and I saw the prime and I it had two cams and I thought to myself, what in the hell is going on there? You know? <laughs> yeah, it's a very, very unique system. Yeah, absolutely. So kinda Kind of give us just a little bit of background on how how Prime itself got started, and and then we'll kind of dive into you know where the idea of dual cams and some of the other stuff that that Prime uses, where where that technology kind of came from. Yeah, um, we started. Well, a little bit of background on the company is it's owned by uh, Grace Engineering, which was started in the 1950s, uh, a small engineering company uh, out of Memphis, Michigan. Uh, they started doing a lot of medical instruments, so really big on precision machining. Um, right around 2000, a uh, big hunting family, they jumped into the hunting market making broadheads. Um, the most popular one has been the G5 Montec. Okay. Um, from there, they kind of got into building bows for a couple different companies. Um, got some really good engineers back there, and they, they just saw some some small things that they wanted to tweak, um, things how they built that they can make the bow better. And here we are, you know, 15 years later, and we, we were we've got prime. So um, the biggest thing was that binary cam design. We were making bows for another company. Um, and that they were utilizing a, a binary cam. Um, binary cams are prone to a little bit of cam lean and can lead you to some horizontal knock travel, uh, which our engineers didn't really like. And they came up with a parallel cam design to kind of combat that. Um, we dove into business as prime archery and we've been in here ever since. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's seems like, you know, when you, obviously when you start a company, you, you see a need out there that should be fixed and then you go out and you fill it. And that is, that is definitely for sure. You know, uh, 
the issue of oh, yeah. cam lean and and horizontal knock travel that cam lean is just it's such a pain in the butt <laughs> yeah yeah it's so, uh it can be a problem on on some bows and it can lead to some accuracy issues so yeah and and i think you know with with prime it sounds like that's that's something that they're the main focus is there at prime is you know building an extremely accurate and forgiving bow yeah um we set out to build the most accurate bow out there not only just the most accurate bow but the most forgiving being you know if you can't shoot your bow you know two three hundred arrows a day even if you're shooting it once or twice a week you can go pick up your bow and kind of be where you left off. Uh, not everybody's got time in their busy schedule. People have families. Um, you know, you got other obligations, and people can't quite get a, get around to shooting a bow every day. That's more or less what these bows are designed for. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, what you know, what what is some of the other. Uh, pieces of technology that a prime bow offers i mean i obviously the most noticeable is the parallel cams um, but what's some of the other big pieces of technology that a prime bow offers that factor into being an extremely accurate bow i think the biggest piece other than the parallel cam design is going to be your 82x aluminum risers um, a riser material is going to be the stiffest in the industry. Um, a stiff, rigid riser is going to react the same every single time. When it does that every single time, it's, I mean, from top to bottom, it's, it's very, the force is equivalent. Um, so it, it gives you very, very accurate results down range. Um, the bow doesn't want to torque a lot, and that's what you're looking for in a, in a bow. Um, we want something to be very rigid, stiff, and, and just durable and tough. Gotcha. Yeah, I I remember watching um, I, they hanging hanging a car or something from the prime riser, and they tested other risers as well. I, and I don't I don't know if that was done through you guys or a third party, um, but it was really interesting to me to watch the rigidity of the prime riser, and. It being someone looking from the outside until I started looking at, at what you guys were testing and why you were testing the emphasis that you were putting on a rigid riser, I never really put that much that much thought into it. Honestly, you know, it's like, hey, the the company made their bow out of that riser, then it's probably good enough for me. And I go out and just grab the bow and you know pick which one shot best or felt best or whatever, and never put any thought whatsoever into the riser um what and i would i would assume there's probably a lot of people out there that are the same way that they just don't realize how important the the riser and the rigidity is um what was was it was it difficult to go out and find aluminum of that grade and also get um get customers to realize that it's it's an it's something that they truly need in a bow. Um, it it definitely wasn't uh, wasn't easy to come by. Uh, we actually had to outsource. We get our forgings coming from Italy, um, so it does take a little bit more time to get that. But we don't want to compromise on on materials. You know, we want to build the best bow out there, and you know, it starts with the materials. Um, 
the big thing though with yeah. with the ridge riser is it's it's going to be more forgiving. Um, if you tweak it a little bit, it's on the shot. It's it's not it's not going to be nearly as noticeable downrange as if a riser is flexing quite a bit. Gotcha. That makes sense. So, so you were, so by having a more rigid riser, you're, you're going to be taking out, um, is it generally lefts and rights or is it just kind of, uh, bad arrow flight that you can be taking out? Um, a lot of it is torque issues. So mainly left and right. Gotcha. Um, the big thing is like your, your target, your target shooters. Uh, most of those guys are shooting a, a shoot through riser and then they have for years. Um, the shoot through riser offers a more rigid platform. Um, it's, it's the same thing with our bows. Uh, if you get a rigid platform, it's, it's less susceptible to torque. Um, if you make a little bit of an error on the shot, uh, there was a little bit of hand torque somewhere where there shouldn't necessarily have been. Um, it's not going to be nearly as bad with the stiffer riser. Okay. Well, that, that makes perfect sense. Um, so going on from, you know, you talked about the cams a little bit, now the riser, um, how, how important is the limb pockets and the design of the limb pockets when it comes to accuracy? Cause you know, obviously you see some bows out there that there's not much there for a limb pocket. It's literally just and essentially a bolt that's going through the the fiberglass laminated limb. Um, but then you see others like Prime or something else that actually has an entire casing around the limb and lot and other bolts to lock the limbs in place and everything like that. So how important is the design of the limb pocket as a whole when it comes to uh, the performance of your bow? Well, the limb pockets are huge. Um, you're containing a moving piece and a major moving piece. Uh, when you draw that bow back, that limb flexes quite a bit. Uh, so you, you don't want, while you want that limb to flex, you don't want those limbs moving laterally. Uh, that's going to give you left and right misses. Um, and, and just a little bit of movement in that pocket can, can make a, a huge difference. Um, we design our pockets with the tightest tolerances. We just don't want that, that limb to move at all. Um, we want when you're shooting at an animal or shooting at a target, you don't want to have to move, worry about your your components. You just want to worry about making that arrow hit the middle. Yeah, isn't that the truth? <laughs> that's that's the the dream of all of us archers, right? <laughs> oh, cool. Well, so moving on from the limb pockets, what about uh, you know what about the, the cable guard or the roller guard or, you know, you know, back in the day, it was just a rod, um, with, with a slider on it. Um, what all is, is a proper cable guard? First off, what, it, what is the, what is the main function of the cable guard? Well, the main function of the cable guard is to pull the cables out of the, the shooting window so that it allows your, your arrow clean, arrow flight. Um, we use uh, what's called our Flexus AR system, um, which is actually a flexible cable guard with rollers, so a flexible roller guard. Um, we make our cable guards out of the same materials as our limbs are made out of, um, and those are all made in-house. Uh, we design those to where when you pull the bow back, uh, the tension on the cables pulls that guard sort of in um, and it alleviates some of your cam lean at full draw. This is actually, it can be used as a tuning feature as well. Um, and it helps tune out left and right 
discrepancies in aeroflight. Gotcha. Yeah, that's 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 a uh, an aspect of tuning that I. I haven't done a lot with, um, I, I would say, maybe because I just have been able to get um, get them to tune before I had to. Um, but how how much how much increase in performance would you say there is over, you know, say say a flex style uh, guard like yours, uh, as opposed to just a solid rod like they used to be you know obviously i mean does it come down to a lot more performance or does it then allow you to shoot a little bit bigger fletchings because it's moving the cables out of the way i mean what's besides just performance what are some of the other perks to shooting a flex cable guard like you guys offer well, the flexible cable guard is going to help with cam lean problems. Um, if you have a fixed system, I mean, that load changes throughout the draw cycle, um, but the load that's getting pulled doesn't. It, they're, they're, they're stationary. They're static. So that's, that's a huge factor. Um, but the other thing is, is it does allow uh, you to adjust how much clearance you need. So if you were shooting, you know, let's say a big high, you know, a big feather um, on a, on a big tournament shaft, you know, like a 27 series, you'd be able to tighten that flexus all the way down, give yourself a little bit more clearance. Um, so that helps out quite a bit. Um, you can adjust that to your needs rather than have it fixed uh, in a stationary setting. Okay. I got you. That makes sense. So after, uh, after the roller guard, um, I know we already talked a little bit about the riser itself, but what about the grip within the riser? What kind of things are you guys doing to the grip itself? And are there any type of customizing options that you guys offer, you know, f to, to make that grip fit the shooter uh, as best as possible? Um, right now we're, we're running, we actually changed our grip up quite a, oh, a little bit this year. Um, we made it a little bit deeper. Um, the biggest thing with our grip is we want it to be repeatable. Um, we want you to be able to get your hand in there the same way every single time. Um, if you can repeat your grip and it's a comfortable grip position, you're just going to be more accurate with that bow. Uh, it's going to be more forgiving. You're just going to, it's going to feel better in your hand and you're going to shoot better. Um, as far as grip options, um, we do run our grip right off the riser. Uh, we don't have uh, other companies make overmolded grips uh, that would fit on the bow. I believe Shrewd's making one. Um, but as far as factory options, we don't have very much. We want a lot of our people to shoot right off the riser. Um, it's, it's just going to be a little bit more of a forgiving system. Um, if you don't want to shoot right off of the bare metal, I know some people are wrapping them in like a, in like a tennis tape or a golf tape, something like that, a baseball bat grip. Um, that just keeps, you know, your hand warm on those cold, those cold frosting mornings. But I mean, we're going to go, I'll go back to the target shooters here. If you look at a lot of your target archers, they're going to shoot grips that are right off the riser. Um, it's just going to be a little bit more forgiving. You can get a little bit of a thinner grip. Um, the less surface area you have on your hand, the less likely you are to, to torque the bow. Gotcha. So do you, do you feel that uh, having the, the hand right on the riser is 
more forgiving. I obviously just said because the less surface area, but where it's just skin right on metal or, you know, the paint, obviously, um, does that help with, with less torque because there's no type of grippy type material to grip to the hand that way if you're holding it incorrectly you know if it's grippy and you're holding it incorrectly then you torque the bow is that is that kind of your guys's thought behind that yeah uh that's definitely a factor into it um the big one though is i mean you can really get repeatable when it's right on the bear riser the bigger grips um you can't always get your hand in there the same every single time. And they, even people with smaller hands, bigger hands, the, the grip that we offer is going to feel really, really nice. Where if you get that big grip, um, some people run a, a big overmolded rubber grip on there. Some people just don't prefer, they just don't like it. It doesn't mesh, mesh with their hands very well. Um, it, it's for people with smaller hands, it could be too big for people with, you know, big hands, it might not fit quite right. Um, we just run that into the issues with the torque uh, on, on the grips like that. So we've offered them in the past and we found that the majority of our users ended up taking the grip right off and, and shooting right off the riser. So we've gone ahead and just, gotcha. and just <laughs> be away. Gotcha. So that kind of brings up an interesting question because obviously, just like you said, there is so many different hand sizes. Um, so how do you how do you go about combating a grip that is going to be comfortable to the majority of people? You know, when somebody can have an extra small size hand and somebody can have an extra large size hand. So, how, I mean, how do you go accommodating a, a grip that'll feel comfortable to all those variants of people? Well, our engineers do a, quite a bit of testing. Uh, they do different testing with uh, not only feel and how it feels in the hand, but how a grip is susceptible to torque. Um, they they want to make the best feeling grip, but at the same time, they want to make the grip that's going to be the best performing. Um, so first and foremost, we focus on performing and then we'll take it to how does this feel? And we'll, we want to get a good mesh. You know, if, if a grip is going to perform well in your hand, um, but it doesn't fit everybody's hand and it's, then it's just not going to work as well. So we do do a lot of in-house testing. Um, there aren't a ton of people here at the factory, but we do have our hands in, you know, helping with engineers. Um, I'm a smaller guy. I have some smaller hands. We've got some, some bigger guys, you know, upwards six, two, six, three, that they've got some just giant hands and it's a lot of <laughs> feedback, a trial and error, but we get through it. Gotcha. That's cool. Cause I mean, that's, that's something that, that probably a lot of, you know, individual consumers don't even take into consideration, you know? So, um, so mm. with, uh, what about your guys's, uh, the cams, um, you know, back, back to the parallel cams, what, what is the thought behind, you know, draw length on your cams and, uh, draw length specific cams and everything like that? Like what, you know, cause I, there's a lot of bows out there. So Bowtech, for instance, I guess is the one that first comes to mind mm -hmm. is, you know, obviously you just move a couple bolts and move uh, the draw shim or I'm not even hundred percent sure what it's called, but then you have a different draw length. So what is, what is your guys's thoughts behind that and the reasons for, for having more of a uh, draw specific cam as opposed to a draw adjustable cam? 
Well, the draw adjustable cams are they're nice with the ease of setup. Um, however, they they lack efficiency. Um, if a bow, if you set a module at 30 inches and then you you test the draw curve and you test it at 25 inches, that draw curve is more than likely going to look quite different. Um, with a draw specific cam design, they maintain their efficiency. Um, with the modular system, every inch roughly you go down in draw length, uh, you're going to lose. 10 to 12 feet per second. Uh, with a cam specific design, it's, it's much, much less. It's anywhere from okay. five to six feet per second. So for your shorter draw guys, that's a huge benefit. Um, the other thing with that yeah, is- That's me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, mo most guys that are buying bows nowadays, especially you're getting into your high-end stuff, um, let's face it, bows aren't cheap. Um, most guys, and most guys that are buying them, they're, they're normally not growing much. Um, so that's not a huge, a huge factor. If a guy's been a, you know, a 29 inch draw, he's probably going to be a 29 inch draw for another, you know, 10 years. Um, so that's, that's another reason we factor that in. But the, the biggest thing is that, that efficiency, um, it's just going to be much more efficient. Uh, the draw cycle is going to feel the same, whether you're a 30 inch draw, a 28 or a 24 and a half, it's going to be the very same, similar feel. Gotcha. And, th and that, that makes sense. You know, me being, I'm like, I must be close to your height. I'm, I'm only like five, six, you know? So I, I look at a bow and you're like, well, it does this, this. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. Not when, <laughs> not when you're sawed off and you only have a 27 inch draw, it doesn't do all that, you yeah. know? And uh, so that, that's a, uh, yeah, I, I agree with uh, it's definitely an ease of setup, especially for the people that don't have a, uh, a uh, bow press at their house or a you know a pro shop nearby which uh, i'm living in wyoming there's that happens a lot you know you don't you run into a lot of people where you, you're going to town once every two weeks or once every month and hope that hope that the guy at the bow shop can fix up your bow while you're there because if not you got a whole nother month to wait so i can see where that that other stuff has its place however i don't you can't argue it. You know, it's, it's simple science and mathematics that, that, uh, the cam specific, uh, has huge benefits for sure. Um, mm -hmm. and like you say, I, I'm 28 years old. And if I started growing at this point in my life, I, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> I think I stopped back. Again here. I mean, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty close to the same thing here. <laughs> oh cool so um now uh what so what other what is what is the process that goes into building the limbs themselves you know because obviously limbs have come a huge distance from uh, i mean even even 15 years ago you know so so what is the process hmm. of that goes into the limbs and what's the purpose of that process well our limbs all start out um, whether it's a 40 pound limb a 70 pound limb they all start out their life cycle as an 80 pound limb uh, when they're shipped here to the factory um, we use a company uh, called gordon glass they're pretty much an industry standard um, from there they they go into our machines and we actually machine the limbs down to the proper deflection um, this year we're running a split limb system um, to get a little bit of a wider stable platform to accommodate our, our wider TRM cam system. 
Gotcha. That's interesting. So literally the limb shows up um, and are, are they fiberglass? They are. They are fiberglass. So they, so, I mean, here is this, this basically a, almost a, a rectangle block of fiberglass and you guys stick it on your machine and it literally starts shimming it down until it gets to, I would assume the right thickness to produce the weight that you need. Yep. Yep. We look for um, a thick, certain thickness based on the deflection. Um, so every limb is going to be a little different. Um, in the past, we've ran a, a solid limb design. So we've tested limbs. Uh, we want a certain deflection for each poundage, whether it be, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70, or 80. Um, and then the same thing for our split limbs. Dang, that's that's interesting. I had I would have never guessed that um, you know the limbs were showing up there and you guys were doing them in house. So if if your guys' limbs and I, I might be wrong, I'm not sure. Do you guys offer an 80 pound bow? I don't remember. We do. Yep, we do offer an 80 pound limb option. Okay, I was gonna say, because I mean, heck, that makes a lot of sense to me if they show up in 80 pounds. <laughs> yeah. So, well, cool. So as, uh, so how do you guys, like what, what comes next? You know, these, do you, do you basically have the, do, do the risers get, uh, machined in shop? Yeah, our risers do get machined here in-house. Um, they come in as a forging, so they're basically a giant block of aluminum. Um, they okay. semi-resemble a riser, but not quite. Um, so they do go onto our machines. Uh, they, they get machined out, and they get shipped over to uh, our second building, which we do our all our decorating process there, whether it be painting, building the bow. Um, it, it turns it into the bow that you would recognize. Gotcha. So how long, how long is that uh, riser on the machine for it to basically carve everything out to where it is the riser? How long does that take? Um, depending on the model, it, it could be fairly quickly. Um, some of our quest risers are a little bit less complex uh, and they're, oh. up, you know, five minutes. Some of our prime risers and our, our older target shoot through risers were on the machine for upwards of an hour. But still, it does all of that machining in five minutes to an hour. That is insane. Holy crap. <laughs> Man, that's crazy. That, that's a lot of aluminum to be removing in that amount of Set time. Set the machine for one model at a time. But yeah, we can get a riser done in about an hour. Dang. That's cool. So, so then after that, like, what is, what is the process look like of actually building the bow? You know, so, um, the bow gets done on the machine and it gets painted or, you know, whatever happens. So then is there basically a, a, a box of the limbs, a box of the limb pockets, a box of the roller guards, a box of, you know, the cams and then the strings and cables. And they kind of go down a line and get all that put on. Or what is, what does that process look like? Um, for us, we, we're a smaller company, so we do build orders. Um, so if you place an order with us, first thing that's going to happen is the machine, the riser hits the machine, uh, gets taken off the machine and shipped over to the other building from there. Uh, it gets painted to whatever color that you specified. Um, from there, we do make the limbs the same way. Um, and that from there, our, our 
and builders will go pick what the, the necessary parts, whether it be cam sizes, uh, shims, the flexus arms. Yeah, they basically go through the line of, of parts that we have ready for them to go. Um, strings and cables and the boat gets built. Um, once it's built, it actually goes onto a, a draw machine where it's actually cycled a hundred times uh, to help stretch the strings and cables, make sure that nothing was put on improperly. You're not going to have to worry about, you know, drawing a bow at a shop and, and anything bad happening like that. Um, but mainly the strings and cables stretching. So with, uh, with, with you guys putting it on that draw machine where it's stretching the string and cables, is that, is that to take the the process of new strings and cables out of the consumer's hands or or purely to test it? Um, a lot of it is, is just to help stretch that string and cable. That way, when, when the bow does arrive at your shop, it's not having to set it up, shoot it, you know, 100 times and then come back and, and retune everything because strings and cables have stretched. Um, gotcha. We use a 452X uh, BCY material, uh, which is one of the best materials that we've found with our cam system. And uh, while the material does move a little bit, we want to make sure that it moves before it leaves the factory. That way, all the consumer has to worry about doing is setting it up and enjoying it. Gotcha. So uh, as far as the bows go, what are like three to five of the biggest perks to shooting a prime bow um i would say the biggest perk is just the accuracy the consistency you'll get out of it um you pick it up and it's you're just going to shoot it better um the second biggest thing i'd say is you get a free set of strings and cables every two years with the bow so all you'll have to do is just head into the dealer after you register the bow um after it's been two years just Take your bow in there, let them know that you're eligible for your, your shield program, which is our string program, and they ship the strings to the dealer, and they can throw them on there for you um, every two years. That's cool. What uh, what kind of warranty does Prime offer? Prime actually carries a life, uh, lifetime warranty, uh, and that's for every original owner of our, of our bows. Gotcha. Cool. So where – how how do you guys know what aspects of the bow to to upgrade or change or evolve to make a bigger, better, faster, stronger bow for the next year? How 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 does that work? I mean, you, you kind of get to a point. I mean, vehicles, four wheelers, it doesn't matter. They kind of, you bows, you get to a point where it's like, man, this thing is so efficient. Where are we really going to go from here? You know? So, you know, is is it taking customers feedback? Is it your engineers looking at it? Like, Hey, I don't really like this. You know what? How does that work? Well, it's, it's a little bit of both. Um, We do listen to our customers quite a bit. Um, you know, that's that's where our feedback is, is more important. You know, they, they give us what they want, uh, and we try to build a bow for them. Um, our engineers do come up with some problems, though. Um, it's, it's pretty interesting. You may pick up a bow and shoot it, and you'll, you'll love it. But an engineer can pick apart three or four little, simple, minute details that they would have done this a little bit better, or maybe this we can change for next time. It's, it's amazing how their brains work. Um, it's they're, they're really just some really smart people back there. Um, but, it, but it is a mixture of both. So when we can bring an idea that has been brought 
to us from from our customer base and bring it to engineering. Uh, they're the ones that can actually take that idea, put it on paper, and make it work. Gotcha. And and typically, you know, having having lots of podcasts with uh, with other people that are kind of in the the designing of products and things like that. So I kind of understand that it's not like, you know, somebody shows up and it says, or an engineer goes, Hey, we want, we want, uh, this changed on the bow and by tomorrow it's already implemented. Right. So, you know, when, when you guys start to come out with a new design or want to fix a current design, how long is that process of testing before it generally gets onto the, uh, the bows that are going out to market? Um, it, it varies. Generally, the best, the best answer I could give is it, as long as it takes. Um, we, we don't want to release a product that's not ready for the market. Uh, we don't want to release a product that has problems. So, I mean, there have been some ideas back there that have sat in the works for two or three years before we can get it just right to the point where we're comfortable with, with bringing it to the market and putting it in a consumer's hand. It, we don't want to bring a product that's not ready, um, that's liable to fail. Um, The engineers, the biggest thing that they believe is you're only as good as you can measure. So if they can't measure and test and put a number to how much better, how much more efficient this this product or this technology is going to be, then it's not ready. Um, So they take a lot of pride in that and, and they do a really good job with that stuff. Huh. That's cool. Um, when, as far as the, the, the actual painting of the the riser itself goes. Um, what kind of what kind of paint process are you guys using, and is it is it pretty resistant to you know scratches and nicks and things like that? Yeah, we actually use uh, what's called a, it's color fusion process. Um, so basically, it's a sounds badass. <laughs> it's a, it's it's a pretty cool procedure. Um, basically, they whatever camo or color um, it gets applied onto the riser with with a heat transfer, and it's it's a super durable design. Um, but it's it's very it's a very efficient design. Um, and it comes out looking really, really nice. Um, so it's it's probably one of the best finishes in the industry. It's it's very, very consistent um, in the patterns, especially with camel patterns. The the print on them is is they they do a really good job with that process. That's awesome. That's awesome. So where uh, you know not not specifics, but uh, where is prime headed well actually before i even go there um how was how was the customer reviews and everything like that with the new split limbos you know prime being a solid limb for so long how did you know how did your guys's uh customer base and everything like that react to coming out with the split limbo it was is definitely a little different. Um, the people, you know, it had been a very accustomed to us always running that that solid limb, and it, it gave them a you know a feeling of security with just one limb on the top, one on the bottom. Um, but it's it's something that once you shoot it, you trust it. Um, that wider limb 
that we've that we've used on the Logic series, it it helps for a little bit more of a stable platform. Um, so split limbs has been something that's been in in the works for quite a while with Prime. Um, it was one of those things where they wanted to test and make sure the limb deflections were right before they brought it to the market. Um, split limbs can have some issues. Um, they can lead to you know some some unordinary cam lean with one limb being stiffer than another, which is something that solid limbs don't tend to do, which is why we stuck with them for so long. But with this wider platform, um, it's just a little bit more stable at full draw. It's a little bit less likely to torque. Um, it just feels just so much more steadier, which is why we went ahead and, and after all our testing, we went ahead and, and released our split limb bows. Uh, but they, they've been very well received so far. Um, this Logic CT series, it's, it's probably one of our best ones to date. Um, I, I'm hearing a lot of good praise about it, and it's it's really exciting to be a part of a great company like this. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I when when I first saw it, I was thinking, a that thing looks really badass, you know, <laughs> and B I want to shoot it, and I I was um, I was impressed um, with the with the feel and. And I, I think the best way that I could put it is I was really impressed with how solid I felt when I was at full draw. Yeah. You know, it it's almost as if when you're at full draw, you have to work to torque the bow or you have to work to cant it. And and that to me just breeds confidence. And I think that I think that's awesome. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean when when you just pick up your bow and everything just feels natural, it, it almost feels locked in at full draws is what I hear quite a bit. Um you're just gonna want to shoot your bow more often. You're gonna be more accurate. I mean you might break a few more arrows because I mean you're hitting that same spot all the time, but <laughs> I don't think that thing. No, me neither. I, I'll take some broken arrows if, especially, I mean, uh, I, I would assume you're a hunter. Um, man, confidence is everything when it's time to go on a hunt, you know, um, or even in a tournament, confidence is everything. And if you're busting arrows or touching arrows, I mean, all the way out to 80, 90 yards, you're just confident. You're like, yep, I know I'm going to hit where I'm aiming. And that, that, that confidence right there is extremely hard to beat. Did I lose you? You still there? Oh, there you are. I got you there. <laughs> I was just about ready to start making a fool of myself. No, <laughs> um, no, I, I, I don't know if you heard me say that about the confidence thing. Um, but yeah, confidence is it's a it's a huge factor in the woods. You know, when when you can put arrows, you know, in that circle at eighty and ninety yards, if that buck walks in at twenty or twenty five, it's just gonna be you know, it's almost second yeah. nature. You pull the bow back, pin goes behind the shoulder, and the rest is history. Um, you know, so if you can do it at 80 and 90 and be confident in it and be confident in shooting your bow and enjoy it, you're probably going to shoot it more. You're going to be more comfortable with it. And it's, it's going to lead you to more success in the field or, or on the, on the target course. Yep, absolutely. So what is, uh, what kind of direction is prime going to be heading in the future? Well, I mean, obviously, I know you can't tell me specifics, um, but just kind of a general direction. 
Um, the big thing that we, we're doing here is we're still pushing, we're striving for efficiency, we're striving to build the most accurate boat possible. Um, we have dabbled into some different technologies and, and we're, we're pursuing all of our our options on that front. Um, <clears throat> the, the engineers are pretty secretive and what they're doing and exactly what they're doing, but it's from the looks of it, it's going to be pretty exciting for next year. Um, I'm already excited from from just the talks that we've been having. It, it seems like it's going to be another great year. Um, the engineers have really hit this one out of the park. I think a lot of people are going to really, really like this new boat. That is awesome. Uh, one more question about uh, about your guys' bows uh, before we dive into kind of the, the consumer side of it. Um, when I first – I believe it was – I think it was the logic. I I might be I might be incorrect. I might be one year too new on that. Um, yeah, it was two years ago. I remember I walked up to a guy. I was at the Vegas shoot. You know, obviously in Vegas, mm-hmm. and I walked up to the prime booth there, and he had uh, had that prime bow sitting there, and I immediately noticed that I believe it was the lower cam was smaller than the top than the upper cam. And I was just curious uh, what the uh, what the purpose of of that was, because uh, I, I I was like, huh, that's crazy. They're different sizes. <laughs> yeah. So the big thing with the asymmetrical cam design is we use a, a center grip riser. So that that grip is actually in the center of the riser as opposed to the arrow running through the center of the riser. Um, the bow is going to hold on target much better just because that grip is in the middle. Um, it's going to be symmetrical to the riser, so it looks exactly the same on both sides. Um, so you actually have a little bit more weight below the handle, so gravity will help, and it's going to make the bow balance better going to hold on target better um, and you actually need a lot of guys are running a lot of stabilizer weight with that gripping in the center you don't need that um, but to make that boat tune properly and to get perfect knock travel both laterally and horizontally um, we wanted to have that asymmetrical cam design that way there's a tension pulling on the string from both sides same thing take up on this on the cables as well um, it did take a lot of engineering to get done um, but but they did a good job with that and that's really taken off for us it's, it's one of our our big staples in our bow with that center grip that's cool. Yeah. He, he, the guy looked at me, he goes, well, most people don't notice that. <laughs> and I was like, well, it, it looks a little odd with, with the one cam being so much smaller. Uh, but anyways, yeah. uh, it kind of – go ahead. I was going to say, it's, it's something that you don't quite notice it until you look at it for a second, and then it normally jumps right out at you, and it, it catches a lot of people off guard. Right. <laughs> My first thought was, wow, somebody messed up on that one. <laughs> That's normally the first thought. <laughs> oh, cool. So kind of jumping into the consumer side, um, I kind of want to walk through just briefly uh, a little bit about, okay, I called you up, Mitch. I ordered you a bow. You got it to me. Um, I want to walk through you know, the, the process of setting it up, um, when it comes time to paper tune, what kind of, you know, cause I, I've shot Bowtex, um, I, I've shot primes, I've, I've shot all kinds of bows. So, you know, some of them like a Bowtech, for instance, um, 
when I shoot it through paper, I can use the split yokes to adjust that paper tear. Um, so I kind of want to walk through a little bit of, of, you know, Hey, I ordered my bow. What's my next step? And, and how, how do I go about doing that? Um, but first off, when when the bow shows up to me and I'm going to go put a rest on the bow, uh, is there a, a rest that you guys have found that is working and syncing up better with the prime bows as opposed to maybe some other rests? Um, we've actually, honestly, everyone here in the, in the factory is using something a little different. I know there's some guys running QADs, HHA, Amski, limb driver. So it's, it seems like everybody's rests work really well. So if there's a rest that you like, it's more than likely it's gonna, it's gonna cooperate with the bow very well. Um, awesome. The biggest thing is, is when you first set them up, um, with that, asymmetrical cam design biggest thing is especially with the synergy series um, you're going to want to make sure that your riser is level um, not necessarily the string and you're going to want to set your arrow level parallel to the or the perpendicular to the riser gotcha so i am i'm just i just want to walk back through that to make sure i understood what you said so i'm going to put my my bow in the bow vise and i am making sure that the riser is level both forward and backwards and left and right yep and then i'm going to hook my arrow onto my string and when i tie my knock set i'm going to tie those in a position that makes my arrow perpendicular to the riser not not necessarily to the string Correct. Um, with with those two okay. different size cams, especially on the Synergy series, it was much more apparent. Um, that string was actually not parallel to the riser. So with that, if you set the string, you set the arrow parallel to the string, we were getting a few tuning issues. Um, it was just something. It was just more or less a lack of communication. Um, but you put that, you level that riser and set the arrow rest perpendicular to that um you're gonna have some really really good tuning results awesome and and maybe you know yeah i <laughs> i'm married i understand lack of communication <laughs> but um it, it it you know obviously because you guys are doing things that are so much different than normal you know just like you say having a smaller bottom cam than top cam you know trying to set the bow up the exact same way as you would a cam with or a bow with two of the same cams probably isn't going to work. And and you wouldn't know that until you go to try it because I don't, I've never had any other bows on the market that have two different size cams. So how, you know, how would you even know to do that until you actually get around to shooting it and testing it and tuning it, you know? Exactly. It, it's kind of a learning curve, <laughs> especially with two different size cams. It's not something that's very common or it's not something that a lot of people see on a, on a day-to-day basis with, you know, just the average bow rack. So um, it is something that was a little different, but we are, we have worked through it and it, I can say that the bows are tuning really, really nicely um, and they tune with ease. That's wicked. That's wicked. So, so my, my bow grip is in the middle of the bow. I got my rest on there and it is sitting knocked on the string perpendicular to the riser itself um, is my next step to, you know, put on um, probably put on my, uh, my site. Um, 
when I go to put on my site um, and I want to make sure, you know, the second axis of the site is level, am I leveling it to the riser or am I leveling it to the string? You're going to want to level that to the riser. Perfect. Yep, level awesome. that right off the riser, um, second and third axis. So you can level right off of that, um, and that should take care of itself. It should be pretty easy. Um, our, our risers are, are extremely straight. They do a really good job with the tolerances on those. Cool. Yeah, because, you know, I, I've – gosh, the amount of things that I've heard to do is, you know, yeah, just, just make sure the string is level. We'll make sure the riser is level. We'll get a four-foot level and touch both limb pockets and make sure that's level. You know, so – Man, there's a lot of stuff out there, <laughs> you know, when it comes to doing that. So, so very we have tacky. now we have what's that? Archery can get very, very tacky, that's for sure. <laughs> so, we got the rest on, we got the sight on. I slap on my stabilizers, I'm gonna go shoot it through paper. Um, kind of walk us through paper tuning, uh, that you know, the new logic series and what to expect the first couple shots and you know if you have a bad tear how we can mitigate that um depending on the way of the tear it, it's going to be very very easy um a left and right tear you can just adjust that with your flexus if it's tearing a little bit to the left um you tighten that flexus down um if you're tearing a, a tad to the right you just loosen that flexus up it's going to mitigate that tear and give you the bullet hole um if you if you're messing with left and or up and down tears um depending on where your rest is set. I mean, a 16th of an inch tail high is fairly normal for your knock set. Um, so if you are, you know, getting a little bit of a high or a low tear, you can mess with that rest a little bit, but uh, a twist in the cable goes a long ways with those. Um, and it's fairly easy to get rid of as far as tears go. Gotcha. So with, um, with the, the, the string itself um is the string splitting the the grip of the bow right down the middle it is um i i okay perfect so so basically you would have your arrow on center shot and you can mitigate minor left and rights with the flexus correct yeah we okay you can move that rest left and right. Um, it's not ideal, though. You want to keep it as, as perfectly centered right down the middle of that power stroke of the arrow as, as, as best as possible. Gotcha. That makes sense. Um, so, yeah. So now we have that shooting. Uh, do you recommend any type of uh, like walkback tuning or something along those lines with the prime bows as well? For me, paper is, is just a place to start. Um, it gets you in a good spot. From there, I'll normally take okay. it out, and I do a lot of broadhead tuning, um, with especially with a okay. blade. Um, to me, that broadhead is going to magnify any flight issues, and it's going to give you perfect broadhead flight. Uh, if you can get perfect broadhead flight, it's going to fly great with a field point. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if you're going to go hunting, you want perfect broadhead flight anyways, right? Exactly, exactly. Well, awesome. Well, cool. Um, really, the uh, I have just uh, two more questions, and then I thought maybe we could cover one or two or three of the the more common questions that you guys get when people call in there, just trying to help some people out. Um, 
when when you guys test your prime bows for you know that advertised speed uh what what all are what are you guys you know what is the bow set up at and what type of arrow or weight of arrow are you shooting um well we set up our bows to to ibo standards um which is okay shoot the bow at 70 pounds 30 inch draw length and a 350 grain arrow. Uh, that's with no weight on the string, uh, meaning no peep sight, D loop, anything like that. Okay. I gotcha. So, and with our bows, we're getting anywhere from 325 on the up to 340 on the CT5. Cool. That's awesome. That is awesome. Um, Last question about the bows themselves. Have you guys heard of any types of issues? You know, somebody orders a 29 and a quarter inch bow from you guys and they get it to their house and they throw it on their drawboard and it's, and it's dead on, or maybe it's off by a half inch or, you know, I've heard some bow companies are kind of notorious for being, for being long on what they, what they say not saying that about prime. I, I have no idea. That's why I'm asking the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's something that happens. Some companies, they tend to run long. Other companies tend to run a little short um, where we're bows, especially this year, our bows are set um, from the factory. They're going to come right in. If you order a 29, you put it on a draw board, it's going to measure a 29. That's wicked. So it, do you guys have any type of order? There's no need to I got gotcha. you. So, you know, if the bow shows up there right at 29, mm-hmm. um, do you guys have, is there any type of fudging on the cams? And, you know, can you get a, get a quarter inch here or a quarter inch there or take up a quarter inch if you need it? Yeah. Yeah. We, we offer an adjustable cable stop. So that stop okay. actually- Instead of sitting in a fixed position, um, it actually is in a, in a slot so where it can slide. Um, so you can actually move that draw stop out a quarter of an inch. You can move it in a quarter of an inch. Um, now, gotcha. that is so going to either have- if you're moving it out, it's going to increase your valley, um, and it does increase your let off. Um, but if you move it in, you got to keep in mind it will slightly decrease your let off, um, and it will increase the holding weight on your bow as well, uh, and it will shorten that valley up just a touch. Gotcha. And then, then you could have, you know, top or bottom cam hitting, uh, a little bit early to, to get a, a person or a customized, uh, back wall basically. Um, are you guys have just cable stops or do you have limb stops too? Can you adjust that? We do offer, uh, the bows are going to ship with, uh, the limb stop installed. They do come with cable stops in the box. So if you're someone that gotcha. shoots a back tension style and you want to pull through that shot, throw those cable stops in there and it's going to feel like the bow that you want it to. Um, if you're a hunter and you just want to, you know, get a nice hard back wall, very firm, throw those limb stops in and, and that'll do that for you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, perfect, Mitch. Well, uh, what are, what are a few questions that, uh, that seem very common that, uh, you guys might get there at the prime shop that maybe we can cover here and, and help some people out. Um, the two, two biggest questions that we get, um, are, you know, where are the bows made? Um, all our bows are made right here in the United States, uh, in Memphis, Michigan. Um, it's a small town, 
you know, 45 minutes north of Detroit. Um, all of our processes are done here from machining to building the bows. Everything like that is done here in the States. Cool. So that's cool. It's awesome. Um, it's, it's nice little small town here that we're in and we're, we're excited to be a part of that, you know, that small town atmosphere. And it's just, it's a great company here. Um, the other big question we get is, is about our warranty and the, the shield program. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be designed for the original owner of the bow. So after you register your bow, um, we also send you a, a prime black box, which is going to be, it's just basically a goodie bag of welcome to prime. Um, it's got a, you know, a prime hat magazine subscription and a few other goodies in there for you. Um, but two years after you've owned the bow and has been registered with us, you're, you're eligible for a, a new set of strings and cables. So that, that's kind of one of the bigger questions we get is, you know, when are they eligible and stuff like that. So it's after two years and you're, you're ready for a new set of strings and cables, throw those on and you're back shooting. That's awesome. That is awesome. Well, Mitch, I I could probably talk your ear off for a, a lot longer, honestly, because <laughs> I just I I I have a, an associate's degree in engineering and drafting technology. So the design and the concepts and the building and the thought process and all that stuff really interests me. So I could probably talk with you for a long time. But, oh yeah, I love it. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but. I appreciate the time that you took out today, and uh, it was it was a blast, kind of taking a behind the scene looks at Prime. Um, I appreciate you, you know, answering my questions and everything like that. Um, it means a lot to me and my audience, so thank you very much for all that. All that. Yeah, no problem. It was a pleasure, Zach. Thank, thanks for having me on. Thank you for tuning into the show. It means a lot to us. But seriously, though, I really appreciate your ear. And it would mean the world to me if you would rate our podcast. If you didn't like it, one star it. But if you did, a five is even better. Don't forget to comment, like, share, and hit that subscribe button. Thanks again for tuning into the show. Some other podcasts that you should definitely check out are... Eastman Elevated with Brian Barney. And Hunt Harvest Health with Ryan Hillary Lampers. And a special thanks to Maven Optics, Six Sight Gear, Dark Energy Tech, Shield Mountain Outdoors, The Outdoor Insiders, Iron Mind Hunting, Valkyrie Archery, and Gannett Ridge Sporting Equipment.